Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Thanks for joining us today on another edition of Impactability. So the question today is, how is your data? I mean, we've talked about donor management, donor data lots of times before, but what are you doing with the data that you have? Are you getting everything out of your data that you can? Or is there some info that either you can't access or maybe you're not even aware what's all in there? And that could very well be the case. Whether you're using the latest donor management software or maybe just the age-old spreadsheet, doesn't matter. There is so much more that your data can tell you and that you can do for your data. An organization's ability to deepen supporter relationships and grow its impact comes down to data a lot of times. If you don't understand it or you don't even know what you're looking for, you could be leaving money on the table. So part of this is communication, part of this is homework, part of this is knowing your donors, but it all adds up to better fundraising. For my guest today, it was such a huge eye-opening experience, and it made such a big difference in her organization's fundraising. Today, we're going to be speaking with Liz Liston. She's the Chief Development Officer at Hope Atlanta, Metro Atlanta's most established agency committed to fighting homelessness. They can trace the roots of their organization back to the year 1900, but only in the last few years have they started to fundraise. So now that I have you totally confused, <laughs> let's have Liz clear it all up. Liz, welcome to Impactability. Joe, thanks so much for having me. Great to have you. I can't wait to unravel this story. Let's clear up the story first. When we talked earlier, you said that you were one of the first people at Hope Atlanta specifically tasked to fundraise. So can you give us some of that background? Why did they decide it was time to fundraise? Sure, yeah. So the agency's history was really rooted in government support. So when I got there in 2019, we had almost 95 government contracts, which the government can be an extremely good source of support, especially in homelessness. But when you talk about financial sustainability, when you talk about the desire to innovate, you know, the desire to do more outside of what these government contracts restrict you to, you really need to partner with the community, with philanthropy. And our board was understanding that we were so limited and restricted by these government grants. So they hired me as the chief development officer in 2019 to come in, diversify our revenue streams, and really focus on building a private fundraising program. So let's get into your story, which is absolutely inspirational. What was the problem that you were experiencing at your organization that caused you to decide to look further into your donor data, which is where we're starting with our conversation today. I think our first problem was not having donor data. Um, when I got there, we had maybe 200 people in our database. We had a very dirty email list, meaning we had a large email list, but it was a lot of bad email addresses, meaning it wasn't getting to the places that it needed to get. So first it was, and we didn't have any policies and procedures about collecting data. There was no best practices put in place because there really was no fundraising program in general. And so I was really tasked with starting to not only figure out what kind of donor data we wanted to collect, but to work with, and, and I want to talk about data in terms of not only your, your CRM, your, your donor management system, but also your marketing 
efforts to your email addresses and your social media followers. So I thought about it from those two angles, the information I did have, what did I want to collect, um, and then set up processes and procedures to be able to collect that. Let me ask you this, since you kind of brought it up in your answer, how did you go from just a couple of hundred names in your database? How did you grow it? What, what did you do to grow your database? I, I will say I really latched on to our marketing support. A marketing professional was the first hire I had at Hope Atlanta. I knew that spreading brand awareness, communicating with the clean emails that we did have, and amplifying our social media presence was going to bring me more donors, more supporters. And then COVID hit. And I have to be honest, we really took advantage of sharing our story with those we had and, and social media just amplified that story across so many different channels. And so investing initially in kind of those marketing resources and then side by side, I was building our Salesforce CRM system to be able to capture the data that I wanted to capture when we got people either signed up for our emails or actually making a donation. I know this might sound like a naive question, but for the nonprofit that's listening who maybe is in that boat where they don't have great data or anything, why should they bother to collect data? We are in the sales business. We are just in in my in my opinion, we're in the sales business of selling a good to the community. But it's still donors are consumers and customers. And so we have to treat them as such. And when you look at what the corporate world is doing in terms of really building relationships with their clients, targeting, we really need to be doing the same thing in nonprofits because I think also the fundamental difference between fundraising and corporate sales is we're in the relationship building business. We're not, we are, of course, we're always focused on a bottom line, but fundraising is about building relationships with people. And so in order to do that, we have to know who they are. We have to understand them. We have to make them feel appreciated. Um, And so when you can collect data to just hone in on little touches, whether that's making sure you have the person's name correct. I think I used this example in our conversation joke before. I go by Liz on, you know, my credit card or, you know, official, it's Elizabeth, but I prefer Liz. So on our template, when we get an online donation, there's a preferred name data column. So I can actually call the donor by their preferred name. And when someone does that, it's little stuff like that where, oh, they're paying attention. They're listening. They care. You know, in our earlier conversation, I and I loved it because you didn't mince words. We When we talked, you said, quote, nonprofits are so behind with data. I love that. And now, mind you, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So kind of explain why you say that and how are nonprofits behind? I think, first of all, it's just investing in technology. You know, I've been doing fundraising for 15 years. I was doing fundraising before social media was really a thing. And so we just never, nonprofits never invested in all the technology. And I think there's so many resources out there right now. And getting started collecting that donor information. I mean, I remember when I started really thinking of the importance of data, I was analyzing spreadsheets that I, you know, exported from our CRM. But it wasn't sophisticated, fancy graphs and diagrams by any means. I mean, I was literally analyzing spreadsheets, sorting through Excel. <laughs> and, and I think that nonprofits were tasked with so many things where our, our hands are in so many pots. But I've, a lot of times nonprofits don't even think about analyzing all the information they have. We're even looking at our social, we track our social media metrics every single quarter. 
So we see what posts are performing. And then that drives what other posts we post later on. Because if we know that the content is resonating with our audience, that drives the strategy that we have. If certain programs are getting more, more uh, attention on our website or through email opens. So even just thinking about analyzing it, I think nonprofits get overwhelmed when really it's pretty simple. Okay, so you've talked me into it. How do I get this off the ground at my nonprofit? Because up to this point, like you had the problem at Hope Atlanta, we don't have that much data. So what do we do? I think you have to prioritize it. I, I actually spoke to another group last week and they asked the same question. And I said, block a day on your calendar, get on Google. First of all, make sure that you are setting yourself up with some kind of donor management system. That's going to be critical. And I, like I said, they come in every shape and size now. I will say too, they're much more user-friendly. I do not claim to be a tech person. If anything, I am very far behind as it relates to technology. And even I can figure out some of these systems. And I remember when I came to Hope Atlanta, I did. I dedicated a day to Googling and I found two or three companies that I thought fit, fit my price range, fit what I was looking for. I got on the phone with their salespeople. They gave me their presentations. I made a choice, you know, and the online chat and tech support is amazing with these companies now. Um, I just really encourage you to take the time to get set up. And with the data you do have, I encourage you to export it and look at it from different angles. You know, what is the average gift size of your donors? What time of year do your donors typically give? How are they responding? You know, we, we did analysis, 60% of our donors give online, but our biggest donors still give through the mail. A mail program is still worth it for us. And I'm still going to invest time and energy. But online presence has got to be huge too. So those were easy data points to collect. Yeah, yeah. So what type of data should nonprofits be collecting other than name, address, email, that kind of thing? What would you say are like key ingredients to, to at least starting off with building a, a database? You know, I think as much as you can capture on the front end when someone's filling out a donor form that you can, and some of it can be optional. I, we have a lot of optional boxes. You don't have to fill it out, but if you if you have the time to fill it out, your birthday, you know, your interest area, we have like four or five main focus areas. So if you can just tell us, hey, I'm really interested in veterans, then that feeds back to our system. And again, I think I would say interest area is going to be huge because that's how you're going to target the people the most. And I would say there's so much you can gather from basic donor behavior in the sense of when they give, how they give that can dictate your strategy that you can even, you know, reference back in a conversation like, Hey, Joe, thanks so much for that $500 gift you gave last November. Let me tell you about what it did for us. And that can be huge for to hear. So I think even just small data points can make a huge difference. Seems overwhelming. And, and I, I want to get across that you can simplify it. You not only are reaching out to me, but you also are saying thank you for that $500 gift. You're not just saying thank you for your gift. Even that little bit of a difference makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we also part of our end of year campaign strategy is we will take lists of people and we'll, we'll divide and conquer between my development director, me and my CEO, depending on donor level. And we'll do personal follow-up to donors, you know, who had libons, who'd given last year, maybe not this year, and can use mail merge from Excel sheets to send mass emails that look personalized. 
based on, you know, again, dear Joe, thanks so much for your $500 gift last November. You know, it helped us house a veteran family through the winter and we couldn't do this without you. I hope you'll consider, you know, 750 this year to ensure another family can remain stably housed as well. So using the data too in simple ways, like a mail merge email can make a huge difference. Again, personal reach out, building relationship. Are you basically saying stop with the Excel spreadsheet, get yourself some type of donor management software to make this work? Yes. And I think that you can still use the data you're ex- being exported. <laughs> exported out might be still being a spreadsheet and that's fine. But the way you're collecting it it's going to be worth every penny. And I will say too, we are fundraisers. We are people's people. We need to be talking to donors and spending our time developing relationships. Technology, CRMs can make our jobs so much easier. You can automate these things. Our online donation platform feeds into our Salesforce. So we're not doing anything manual related to that. It's going directly into Salesforce. And we haven't even set up to where it's triggered. If a donor gives a gift of $500 or more, me and my CEO get an automatic notification that this donor has reached out. So then it eliminates my development director from saying, hey, Liz, these 10 people gave a gift of higher than $500 this week. Can you send them a personal thank you? It has literally just streamlined our way of doing business um, and allowing us to focus on building relationships and doing what we do best, which is meet people, listen to them, tell them our story. Liz Liston from Hope Atlanta is our guest today. We're talking about donor data and all of the goodies that may be buried just beneath the surface. If only you'll dig a little bit. We're going to pause briefly for a short break, so stay tuned, because when we return, we'll ask Liz to give us some best practices in donor data. We'll get some advice about where to start if you're a bit behind in the donor data game, so you can maybe perhaps move the needle a little in your favor. After all, the end of the year is coming. (laughs) You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Joe Turner. We are speaking with our guest, Liz Liston, about donor data and the many ways it can help fuel or at the very least breathe life into your nonprofit's fundraising goals. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have another edition of Coach's Corner, so stay tuned for that. I want to get back into your story at Hope Atlanta for a minute, Liz. When we talked earlier, you told me the story of how your organization actually acquired another nonprofit. And it got me to wondering about the conversion strategy. Because if I'm used to giving to the other nonprofit and they go away, don't you have to try and bring me up to speed on your organization and what your organization's all about? Yes, yes. That was huge for us. So not only were we, you know, if you were listening from the top of the show, we really started a fundraising program in 2019. And then spring of 2021, we acquired a fairly large nonprofit. And we were now combined working under the Hope Atlanta name. And because Hope Atlanta has not necessarily been a household name, it was going to make it extra hard to kind of convert these donors over to Hope Atlanta donors. 
the other thing was that organization had had a 50 year history of doing fundraisers. They had a loaded database full of prospects. But as we know, many nonprofits, that was not the cleanest <laughs> database we've ever seen. But we did hire consultants to help us because I, I felt it was so important to get that data over into our streamlined, streamlined database that we already created and then make sure that we were targeting a communication strategy and a solicitation strategy tailored to the merge of the organization and to these former donors at the other organization. And I will say this too, we did hire professionals to help us. This was not something that I felt that we could undertake. We were talking, you know, six, 7,000 people on a database. They were tracking different pieces of information. So what we did was we figured out exactly what information we wanted and then took what we wanted and put it into our database. But we were able to track and tick off who had been, the other organization was called Action Ministries, who was an Action Ministries donor. So when I reached out to them and saw their history, I could say, hey, Joe, I know you've been a longtime supporter of Action Ministries. We're so grateful. Did you know that Action Ministries recently combined with Hope Atlanta and we're becoming stronger together? We're now combating homelessness and hunger in our community. And I want to tell you more. And that way it wasn't just like, hey, Joe, have you heard of, you know, thanks so much for your support of Hope Atlanta. They've never supported Hope Atlanta before. They supported Action Ministries. So that was a huge undertaking, but it was, it led to converting those donors over to Hope Atlanta donors. Excellent story. Can you give us some best practices when it comes to donor data, like for the nonprofit that's already on top of the data game and for the organization that might need to catch up a little bit? Yeah. I think for those who are already on top of the game, roles and responsibilities are really important. For example, in my office, we have two people who are allowed to put gift information into the system, only two, <laughs> and I'm not one of them. So I, I am not allowed to touch anything that has to do with inputting a gift because that could mess up with our fundraising uh, numbers and things like that. So really assigning roles and responsibilities, but also, you know, empower people to use the database. We do um, little tutorials. Even our CEO knows how to go in and um, make little edits or contact reports. These are all written procedures, like who's who, who's responsible for what, um, what information we must collect and that kind of thing. So I would say that would be the number one. For getting started, I think making sure, and this is a simple Google search, making sure that you are covering all the data that you want. Um, making sure that you're housing the basics, the contact information, phone, address, make sure it's a preferred address too. I think that's a huge thing people miss out on. Just adding the word, what is your preferred email address, your preferred mailing address? Sometimes when I make a donation, I use my personal address email, but I'd really rather you email my work email for any important updates. And, you know, I think just making sure you have an idea of what you need to collect for those you know, just getting started. And and I think assigning roles and responsibilities when you're just getting started. I mean, you're at an advantage just to just getting started. You don't have to clean it up later. You can start it now. And cleaning up takes a lot of work. Don't kid yourself, right? And a lot of resources. And I have done that many times at many organizations. And it takes away from our true work, which is to build relationships with donors and, and get support. You know, when we were talking earlier, you said something I'd like to zero in on a little bit. You said people don't need what we're selling. And I really, really think that is a, a heavy statement, but it's also very true, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I always tell my friends in sales, you know, try to become a fundraiser. You think this is easy. It is really hard work, limited resources. And 
you can control asking for money, but you cannot control the decisions they make because we're a heartstrings type business. And there are other things that there are necessities that people need in life, like internet and groceries and rent and things like that. And so the priorities of giving are so much down the list. So it's that much more important to know your donors and build those relationships because when they're having to choose about where to spend their their resources, you want them to prioritize your organization. And it's important that you're sharing the impact with them of what their gift is doing because in the end, it can make all the difference between choosing to give that year or not. Let me ask you this, Liz, any technology tips that you can offer? Technology, I think that a lot of us, again, I'm not a technology person. And so you need to hire or have people or have volunteers who do know technology. And I think we've got, the world is moving so fast. And if our industries, you know, and I'm talking even small nonprofits, I really believe there are solutions out there for you that are not astronomically expensive or don't require an IT expert for you to manage. I would say prioritize technology, see what solutions are out there for you. Do not be afraid to ask your donors to fund technology. And I mean that even from a fundraising perspective. I know donors who have funded CRMs. I know donors who have funded websites. I know donors who have funded technology consultants. Right? I have actually a proposal on my desk right now where I'm going to ask a major donor to invest in a technology assessment of our entire agency. And so your donors want to help you. So don't be afraid to ask them to invest in leveraging their gift to help you tell your story better. Um, I think that's actually a really good selling point. Give us one thing, and I know there's probably a list, but give us just one thing that we should add to our data collection today that we might not be asking for or looking for. Oh, Joe, that's a hard one. You know, I guess I have to come at it from a mid-sized human service nonprofit standpoint. And I think it's that whole idea I spoke about earlier is interest area. I mean, we do so much work, even in homelessness. I mean, we serve veterans, we serve people living with HIV, we do eviction prevention, we do street outreach. And so when I can hone in and figure out what is really going to tug at the heartstring of my donor, it's going to make my work more effective. So adding that drop down on a donor form, or even doing a donor survey where it says, hey, these are the programs that we have, what are you most interested in? Let us know. Then I can target And I can appeal to you about the things that are most important to you. I'm hoping that the nonprofits in our audience have taken lots of notes, regardless of, like we said at the beginning, whether they've been doing well with their data or those that might need to take things up a notch or two. I have to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today on Impactability. We really appreciate your time. It was my pleasure. This has been fun. Once again, it's time for another edition of Coach's Corner, where you send us questions. We ask our impact coaches those questions, and they give you their answers. It's just that simple. So please keep the questions coming. Email them to us so we can turn them over to our impact coaches. And they can be about anything in the nonprofit sector, kind of like this question. I'll ask it in just a moment. But first, I want to say thank you to our impact coach, Christine Rayhill, who's going to be answering the question today. So, Christine, here's the question. How do you celebrate your organization's anniversary so that you can get the most out of it publicly? 
Great marketing question. Christine, you've got five minutes to answer the question. Your five minutes begins right now. Oh, thank you, Joe. I'm going to just add on to what you said. It's not only a great marketing question, but it can also be a great opportunity for fundraising. So anniversaries are very important for any organization, but especially for nonprofits, because they allow you to show your track record of providing services and just demonstrating that you've gained the trust of your beneficiaries and proven achievable results. It's also a great opportunity to thank your staff, your volunteers, your board, your donors for their contributions and recognize them for specific achievements. It offers opportunity to on reflection, to look back at the challenges that you've overcome, and it can help invigorate the staff and your other supporters. Nonprofit anniversaries are also an excellent way to inform the wider audience of your history, your accomplishments, and your plans for the future. Celebrating milestones helps to increase the visibility of your mission, allowing you to highlight your history and innovation or tradition of advocacy, while at the same time, giving you a chance to articulate your organization's vision for the future. Now, the first step is to make sure you begin the process early. Make sure to leave enough time to get input from all of the departments across your organization and your supporters to brainstorm and create a project plan on how to organize this anniversary event and campaign. For a big event or campaign, you wanna start at least a year before, and for smaller events or campaign, you can start several months before. And be sure to involve everyone. Anniversaries and campaigns for anniversaries can serve as a tool for enhancing the staff, volunteer, and board morale, and increasing that sense of belonging to your organization. Make it about fundraising too. Fundraising doesn't have to be your main goal for the campaign, but you should use this opportunity to weave it into your nonprofit campaign. Nonprofit anniversary campaigns are an excellent time to interact with both current and prospective donors to show them how their donations are helping or could help. And they can help you generate substantial funds, but don't make fundraising the sole focus of your campaign. You want to primarily celebrate, share, and connect. Your nonprofit anniversary campaign should definitely be branded. Think of an interesting, attention-grabbing name. Furthermore, make sure you use powerful imagery and videos that tell stories. And double-check that your nonprofit anniversary campaign branding matches the rest of your brand. Once you've brainstormed your milestones, set your goals, planned your campaign, and understood your limits and what you want the anniversary campaign to accomplish and link to, it's time to design the specifics of your campaign. Will you write blogs? How about design challenges? Will you create videos? Organize an event? Do interviews with the leadership of the organization? How frequently do you want to share your content and communications? Like blogs and newsletters and perhaps even more, videos and photos are great tools for storytelling. They also do well in social media. If you have the opportunity to do so, invest in professional quality videos for your anniversary campaign. You could even dig up or ask for vintage photos or testimonials from program alumni. Create a landing page to make sure you get the most out of your campaign. And consider launching a new program or initiative as part of your anniversary campaign. Perhaps you want to partner with another nonprofit organization to initiate a community-wide program or start a scholarship fund or create a time capsule that includes your organizational history from the past decade with plans to open the capsule in another 10 years. 
You could also launch a book, a special or limited edition product, a new website, or anything else that can benefit from a dedicated launch. Celebrating your anniversary allows you to showcase what your organization has achieved over the years. A good nonprofit anniversary campaign spreads awareness of your nonprofit's mission. This will instill a sense of pride in your supporters for what you've helped to achieve together and reinforce their roles as organizational advocates. And finally, celebrating and marking your anniversary allows you to look toward the years ahead. You can share your organization's future vision with key stakeholders and set the agenda for achievements to come. Christine, great advice, great examples. Thank you so much for answering the question and being our coach today on Coach's Corner. It's my pleasure, Joe. Thank you. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.